very Detroit Red Wings to go out and win a game that, if they would have lost, would have directly affected their draft lottery odds in a positive way in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Um, called it last night, texted you, put money on the Red Wings, and actually won some money. So, bonus there. Um, but welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And in this episode, we will be talking about the Red Wings sliding. I think it's a nice way of putting it of late. Um, Edvinson recalled his game. Uh, actually, a little news before the podcast came out. Uh, John McDonald, UMass Lowell captain, signed, reportedly signs with the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not sure what the details are yet. They haven't been released. We'll get into that and uh, some more stuff. But um, I think a natural place is kind of start out with uh, like an order. We can start with Edvinson. And we can kind of lump the two games together and just talk about his game. But yeah, recalled on emergency basis. This comes after bench rot gets put on. He's week to week and Gus Lindstrom also not able to go. So Edvinson recalled from Grand Rapids and plays his first game against Colorado Avalanche, which I mean, that's being thrown to the dogs right away. Yeah, we we love a good, good old throwing to the dogs. And honestly, like I, we kind of like talked about it a little bit, but I think that's a. It may not seem like an ideal situation, but also, you do kind of want to see what he's going to be against, like the best team, best team in the NHL, right? Yeah. And he he held his own pretty well against McKinnon on that one play. And I thought overall that game, I thought he was pretty pretty good considering, considering the Red Wings did lose five to one. Yeah, I thought he definitely was a bright spot. I know his time on ice was pretty limited, but uh, in different showings, he. Rounded out a pretty darn good game. I know um Lalone pointed out in his um his presser today that he was talking about how Bugner made an effort to limit his ice time against top guys in that game because you have the home ice, so you get your final the last change, which I do like. And he should be getting the easy matchups, also playing with Robert Hag. Not the yeah. easiest thing to do either. Um but no, his mobility is definitely something that's like it's comparatively like on this defensive core right now. And we'll talk about um last night's game too. But the decor without him in the lineup is pretty barren. It is well, it, I mean, even when you look at the defensive core as a whole, like there's two mobile guys right now, if you're not including Edvinson. I would go as far to say as like Cider and Waltman are the only like mobile, mobile ones. Yep. Like even Mata struggles with certain mobility types. I mean, like I'd rope him into the next category. And then like, I I guess Osterley would be counted as mobile. It's just doesn't always happen to be the best mobility in certain areas. He's a fabulous skater and I love watching him skate. Just sometimes it's not for the benefit of the team. Um, Yeah. Him playing as a number four on, on the Red Wings is not great. I Dude, I, I've had no problems with him as the number six this year. I've yeah, actually I'm been fine. quite yeah. pleased, and I haven't understood the reasoning that he's not the number six every night leading up to this point. But um, him being a number four is not ideal. And I think just seeing Edvinson's, the way he can move around so fluently with that size is it's not something to, to like just shake your head at and 
just brush off like it's that's really big yeah also his hands i mean it's, we've seen a big guy with hands in detroit this year with soderblom but edvinson's very impressive on the back end like a defender usually doesn't have that kind of those kind of mitts on him yeah the, he has good mitts and like just his ability to like dodge opponents at six foot six is incredible yeah like how how like he's like a giraffe like a really easy moving giraffe it's It's graceful it's graceful graceful giraffe there you go that's the word i was looking for double g's yeah it's impressive no i've really like his first game i thought there was a couple points um i know he took that tripping penalty which was kind of weak but um he made that really good stretch pass to adam ernie which was that was very like a very long pass, not an easy thing to do. And he also like later in the game made a nice move at the blue line and got in for a shot. I mean, he probably panicked shot a little too quickly. He could have brought it in a little bit more, but again, first game jitters. Yes. Um, but no, in, in his second game, I thought and Lalone said it in his presser as well. He called it he called Edmondson what how how he saw it, his best defenseman on the team. That game. It's hard to argue. I I thought he was great. Granted, I mean, he didn't play the same ice time as other defensemen, but um, and same matchups as like a Sider or Wallman. But I thought he was making the biggest impact when he was on the ice. I know he had the highest game score uh, according to Dom Lecision's model for that game out of the yeah. Red Wings. So pretty impressive, considering it was such a like a negative. I mean, I can kind of lump these two games together. In terms of where the Red Wings are at, I mean, five one, five two losses. Huso, uh, both games I thought struggled a little bit, but also was left out to dry. It's yeah, right now is a hard time to like judge a goalie when he's being left out to dry every other play, <laughs> especially against like Florida and Colorado. Those games were horrendously bad. I think for... I saw something. The Red Wings have lost eleven straight to Florida. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. The last couple of years, it seems like they always beat them by like four goals. Oh yeah, I, t- I took I took puck line for Florida in that game. Yeah. That was the easiest easiest money I've made in my life, for sure. No, um, and again, it was tough. I know Raymond got was on the bad end of that first goal. It was a Sam to Sam Bennett, right? He yeah. turned it over to Sam Bennett and then was set up Makachuk. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, Pew Suter season, two goals, two straight, two both those games. So, stays hot. First line Pew Suter, believe in the truth. We're yeah. Pew Suter truthers here on this pod, so nothing but no Pew Suter slander will stand on this podcast. So I think we've made that very clear before. Yeah, give him an eight by eight. Yeah, I'm I'm game. I'm game. The glasses fit combo. I mean, come on. Yeah, no kidding. Shut up, straight fire each game. Um, but no, I I think like kind of going back. So I think I don't. I I think I've said everything I need to say about this game. Really wasn't much else to talk about. I, who scored the second goal in the Florida game? I can't even remember. Uh, three two, right? It went three two, and then was it? I don't want to say it was cop, but I don't think it was cop. It was Larkin. Oh, he scored. He made it. He made it three two. Okay. Oh, and then yes, this is the thing I wanted to bring up for this game. I remembered it because I was doing notes before this, but. Um, we wanted to record a little bit earlier, so I didn't finish notes on this game specifically. But with um Lalonde, he really like when he was talking about Edvinson and where he ranked in like the defense this game, 
he mentioned like guys, he was, he was visibly frustrated with guys not playing in the right positions, like in terms of roles. And I think this is directly to the fact that the Mata Osterly pairing got left. Like they looked bad this game. And yeah, Olimata, Olimata probably shouldn't be playing with the puck that low. It's not his game, but also Jordan Osterly. I don't know what he's doing in terms of support there. Both guys <laughs> very much in the blame there. Turnover and then Eric Stahl on a 2-1-0 scores. So tough one for sure. But I, I like Lalone was visibly upset. I know he was talking about like directly. And I think that's the play that he was really referencing. Um, But yeah, definitely a, a interesting one. But Florida has been uh, a fun team of late, sort of. I mean, they just got kind of beat up by Philly. But I hope they I hope they make the playoffs in terms of the Red Wings draft draft position. Uh, second first round draft pick this year. Yeah, it's not looking too hot right now. I think I like them better than Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, the Islanders are hot. Islanders are hot. Islanders and... are the best team out of those three, and it's not even up for question. And they're missing Barzell. <laughs> I know. It's like, literally, it's so dumb because I I hate watching the Islanders, but 100% of the time, I'll take Ilya Sorokin over the whole Florida Panthers roster. And... Pittsburgh Penguins, definitely the Pittsburgh Penguins roster. That roster is atrocious. Aside but. from Sidney, aside from Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, I it's about all I have for them. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, and then like, I guess like, Flor Florida's fun right now. I'd say they're finding their groove at the right time. I I hope Florida makes the playoffs, but I I don't see a way that the Islanders don't make the playoffs. So I hope for my entertainment's sake, I hope Pittsburgh just doesn't make it. I would like that as um, a and then I as hope a Pittsburgh the Islanders, I hope the Islanders get bounced like first round and like the pick will be somewhat decent. Well, they probably play they either play Boston or Carolina. Yeah, which is a tough one for sure. I know Carolina. I, can't I think score, they though, can, so maybe, I think maybe they I, could. I think they could beat Carolina right now. I actually now that I'm talking about it, they could. They have the goaltending advantage, and Carolina can't score. Yeah, and the Islanders <laughs> find ways to win. Yeah, they do. That they do. But no, I, I thought I, it was kind of a there was bits I liked of it. I like. But again, it's a tough game. But no, uh, definitely a highlight was Edmondson going out with Chuck. That was pretty fun. And your second game. I know there's like been reports this year in Grand Rapids that he's been more physical and getting in people's faces a little bit more. Um, I think there was that video earlier in the year with like him and uh, Fix Lansky in Cleveland. Going at it. I thought that was funny. That guy was very short. I don't remember the exact. I don't know when it was exactly, but I think I remember those two like pushing each other quite a bit. But um, definitely a positive thing. But I guess to kind of wrap up like the Edvinson bit, um, what do you think the plan should be the rest of the year? Should he remain in Detroit? I know he's on. He's still up with the roster right now. He's on emergency recall. And the Lonestead said post practice that depending on how guys health is going to be he'll have to be sent down from emergency recall but the decisions up to management whether or not they make that a permanent recall um i guess we can argue whether or not what's the pros and cons of it but what what would your decision be on simon edmondson for the rest of the year um it's kind of like in my eyes i think he sh- is has proved in just like two games now that actually I would count even three games because he didn't play this third game. Uh, I would say in three games, he's kind of shown that he is 
done a lot better job than Lindy, Hag, and even Osterley. And then that third game where he wasn't there, he was tremendously missed. Um, because you had all th- three of those guys in the lineup. Um, and the only reason to me that it wouldn't make sense to leave him on recall the rest of the season is if the Griffins were like in a dire playoff push, but they're in literally last place in the central. Um, and I know they keep still holding out playoff hopes because I don't know. They're probably like eight to 10 points behind a playoff spot, but, uh, it's really slim for them to make it. And I don't know. I could see that being a reason management would want to send them down or keep them down. But also in my head, that just like doesn't make sense, especially for development purposes. Like he showed, he showed that he can hang and do more than hang. I think you want to try to keep him up the rest of the year. Yeah. My thought is the argument would be that you don't burn his ELC. Because technically, his contract is still eligible to slide this year. Um, but I think that's a outdated like thought process. Because if you really look at it, if the Red Wings burn this first year of his contract, he'll only have two years left until you can re- renegotiate a deal with him. And he has less history to go off of when he negotiate that deal. So say he starts really, he adjusts his first rookie year, and then he pops off his third year. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of history to go off of, and he can be very favorable for negotiation purposes. Yeah. Versus, like, you give him three years, and then he can have two, he can have two full or whatever, however it plays out, two years, let's say, of his development curve where he's playing at a high level. More to go off of. He's probably going to ask for more money when you're already going to be paying Cider Raymond more. So it yep. may be beneficial in that sense. Also, if you're planning to have him on the roster next year. Wouldn't it be with a similar decor that you have? I mean, similar in the sense of Jake Wallman and Ali Mata and himself. And if Ben Sherratt returns this year, all those guys would be in the decor. Wouldn't it be familiar for him to get used to systems and familiar familiarize himself with those players? Yeah, I think that's another really big point. Because I mean, you think about it, like Wallman and Sider are here next year. Mata's here next year. Sherratt's here next year. For sure. And then if you include Edvinson in that mix, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to try to get him like comfortable with the players on the back end, especially. And even even like the forwards up front and stuff and just like the whole system in general. Um it makes a lot of sense to keep him up. And I I just to me, the only argument I you brought up the ELC thing, which I like your point about it really shouldn't matter because I think it makes more sense to burn it now before the future. And in that aspect of things, it would make more sense to keep them up. Yeah, definitely. And I also just kind of wanted to add it as, add as well, like Lalone in his press conference, when they called him up, they almost made it seem like Albert might've been the first guy that was going to be called up. Albert Johansson, that is. Um, so maybe we still see him this year. Maybe that's another reason if he gets healthy because he's still dealing with an undisclosed injury. Um, so it's not, there hasn't been reported whether or not 
when his timeline is to come back, but maybe that's another reason you send him down and you bring Albert up so you get a taste of both. I, I mean, could see that making I could see that making sense. Ideally, I'd have both of them in the lineup, but as that's I was just, just going to mention that I don't know how toasty you're feeling about that or management would feel about having two of them in the lineup at the same time. But Albert's contract can't slide, so Correct. it would if you're going to burn his ELC, Edmonton's ELC. Wouldn't it just make sense to bring them both up too? Because um, it seemed like management had Albert above Edvinson in the depth chart. At least the I'm coaching sure. staff. At least the coaching staff did. Like in terms of how Ben Simons talked, and also um, alone was like alone immediately when he got asked about Edvinson. He's like, "Oh, I've really liked Johansson's game too." Went out of his way to say it without even that name being brought up. Mm-hmm. So at least at the very least, if we want to read into it, the the least amount, I think you could argue that they're both pretty. They were pretty near each other. Yep. Turns packing order. And maybe that was the initial thought process is like, OK, his ELC is already burnt, so we could just call up Johansson. And if they wanted to keep that flexibility for Edmondson. But again, like like going back to the ELC thing, it really is only beneficial if you're like a contending team. Yeah, that's a low cap. It's a low cap hit for three years. But if you're yeah. a team like Detroit, who likely won't be, I mean, in three years, you'd hope they're in the playoffs, but like, I don't think they're spending to the cap in immense amount. I don't think there's the salary cap's not going to be a huge concern. No, I, I don't think so either. So, yeah, I know where my head's at there, but no, I, I'm, I think we're together there with hoping Edvinson will be a factor. I guess we can kind of go into the, the St. Louis game, which happened last night. A 3 2 shootout win ends a three game. Um, winless streak. Um, big revenge game all around the board, which actually should be labeled the Nick Letty revenge game for sure. I don't know, he's probably the biggest name involved there. Nothing, <laughs> crickets, crickets. Um, but no, I like you mentioned uh, Edvinson being missed in that game, but uh, I think on the first goal, Derek Lone's face said it all. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> telling. He was pissed. I don't Literally know why shaking. he was that mad. I forgot the kill McCarr got traded to St. Louis. I know Robert Bortuzzo. Yeah, you mean Kale McCarr? Kale McCarr, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, they lent him out just for the game, actually. So it was kind of nuts. But um, I'm not sure what the defensive system was there, where Robert Bortuzzo can just walk in and make a backhand move and score. But sure, this is the kind of right hand defense that I want on my team. Yeah, he still has a year left. We'd have to trade for him, but you know, Doug and Steve are good, good pals. So yeah, could happen. Sure they, sure, they can work something out. Yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, that was a tough one. And of course, I mean, we'll talk about a couple of guys around the ice. But uh, the Hag Lindstrom pairing stays hot. Yeah, that love the Swedish connection there. They were fantastic. Um, I should start off with though that um, in the revenge game I was talking about, David Perron's return. That's obviously the big name. Um, wasn't I was I was a little bit confused at first because I was like, wasn't sure how they're gonna do the tribute videos. But Huso Wallman get their own. I think that makes sense. They only played like fifty games each. They're around for seasons, but they only played fifty games each. But Perron gets the big one. Obviously, super emotional. And what sucked about that, like the first thing I noticed is I'm like, why is he gonna play this shift? That immediately the show after I the know. video, <laughs> the dude was like, I don't know if you saw, he was so jittery. I know. I was like, what are they doing? I literally <laughs> said out loud, like, why is he playing? 
you like let him like hide on the bench for a little bit. But uh, no, I he made a comment. Uh, he made a comment in the post game. He's like, I think I had two turnovers that shift or something like that. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. But no, obviously super classy. I mean, the Blues are a pretty classy organization as it is. And I think they, they did very well. Obviously beloved. I loved the comment because Perron, I mean, we talked about the goal in a second, but Perron registered an assist on Alex Chason's power play goal and alone called it the loudest away assist he's ever heard. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That is but, cool. uh Obviously, I was I was kind of like again. I figured he would receive that. I mean, guy only had signed contracts with the St. Louis Blues up until this year, which is pretty funny to think about. That's crazy. That was like my favorite stat. And age thirty four, and he already he had played for now. He's played for now seven different teams, and he only had signed contracts with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, that is a nuts stat. But yeah, three two OT win. Or not OT shootout win. Jeez, I wish it was OT. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I wasn't sure how this game would go. I really didn't. I thought the red like we we talked about the implications in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes prior, and if the Red Wings were to lose both games against St. Louis in this little mini series they have going on, they would flip flop positions in the standings and have better go from three point five percent to five. I think is the actual number. I think that sounds about right. Which I will I will translate for everyone. Uh you would go from a ninety-six point five percent chance of not getting Connor Bedard to ninety-five percent chance. So there you go. There's your, there's your numbers for the game. Um but no, I, I like the Red Wings structure in this game. I thought it was needed. I mean the first goal was an absolute abomination. Um I, I we mentioned the decor, but I mean that line as well. Um, Zadina, Valeno, Luff had a tough start to the game. Yeah, I thought did. the I thought the first half of the game they were abysmal, got caved. Um, yeah, and the Red Wings quickly tied in the power play. Um, Chase on, right place, right time. I know um, people aren't crazy about Chase on in terms of like his actual role at five on five, but I don't really care if you can produce on the power play. I think I think you have a spot in my book. He's scoring. Yes, I think to be fair, he doesn't have the best supporting cast on the fourth line with him right, right now. We played third um, line last night. I know. I'm like recently his games have been with like Zarnik and Ernie. Um before like last night. Which is not the best pairing for someone like that. I, so I do think his power play. I, w- I would just say his net front presence on the power play has been much appreciated as of late. Anything else on the power play has not been appreciated with him, like touching the puck outside of forechecking and in front of the net. He he's struggles. the king of he's the king of wraparounds around the net. Like he's like dumping to the other in. team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but his net front presence has been a uh, breath of fresh air. It's been really good. Yeah, um, just bearing bearing the puck. I mean, can't argue so, that. So strong on his stick. Yeah. Again, it still surprised me how big he actually is. Like I didn't think like watching him like in previous years, I didn't think he was that big. Yeah, he's kind of a menace. Yeah. Yeah. But um no, that was a quick one. And then uh Lalone called the uh the next goal on uh Helberg, which by the way she mentioned Helberg started. The worst like one of the worst goals he's seen against. He called it awful. Um, 
Yeah, floater from the point. Scandella's first of the year, I think it was. So two defensive goals for St. Louis. And it was a clean shot, honestly. Like there wasn't much screening going on. He definitely should have had it. That's a tough one, too, because you feel for you kind of feel for Helberg in the sense of doesn't play very much and like he he has had performances where he probably deserves better outcomes. Like I think that Islanders game, for example, the Bruins game we were at. Of yeah. two that he played very well, and they didn't, they end up in the loser loser column, but definitely didn't do himself any favors. But the rest of the game, I thought that he locked in pretty well. The second period again, the Red Wings did really well. And a guy I kind of want to shout out is Andrew Cobb. I think Andrew Cobb's been really good down the stretch. I would say the same thing. I've grown a much bigger appreciation for Andrew Cobb. These. Probably, I would say, the last month or so. He does everything the right way. He's not going to kill you with speed or anything like that, but he's good at creating space in the ozone. And then his most important thing is he's really, really good defensively. Yeah. And he's kind of a big reason why this penalty kill has had a lot, of, a decent amount of success. Him and Pew Suter. Him and Pew Suter. Top and, Michael Rasmussen. and Michael Rasmussen. Yeah, when definitely. I think Andrew Cobb's game really turned around. Like I thought like he started getting some consistency playing with Rasmussen in Prague. Playing, Yep. That line was the Red Wings' best line of the season. I would like that to come back next year. Yep. In some sort of form. I don't know if it's second, third line. I would guess second line, but I think it could be very good. But no, um... He's he's been showing his worth, and I know a lot of a couple times, like when Malone was doing lines and stuff. Cop played on the wing a little bit that game, like flipping him and Suter around for a couple of ships, playing Cop with Larkin and Raymond. He was swapping a lot around, trying a lot of different things, which I kind of like at this point in the season. I know after a PK, he goes, he'll have Suter and Cop do like the last couple, like 20, 30 seconds of of a shift in the PK, and then he immediately goes Peron, Larkin, Raymond, yeah, and then does a couple of shifts like that. For a different look, and then then now he's he last kept a couple of games. I think Cop was playing a little bit on the wing with Larkin and and Raymond, which I do like. Change up, especially when nothing's really working. And I mean, yeah. we talk about other guys on the team too, but there hasn't been a lot of help towards the bottom of the lineup either. So, and I, maybe I shouldn't say that because again, uh, Phillips Dina uh, Phillips Dina scores his third of the year in this game. Yeah, that was a <laughs> a um. A really tough one. Wide open net. We should clarify. <laughs> Wide open net. Um, his first goal in thirteen games as well. So I mean, I'm I am happy for him, but also like it's not great considering the amount of opportunity you've had of late. He's not exactly. Yeah. He's not like I like some of his games. I do think he's like very good hounding pucks and stuff like that. But other than that, like I, his offensive zone game, I don't know what happened. It's non-existent. Yeah, it's it's not there. It's not there. I, and I really am curious what his future is with the team. Yeah, I. It doesn't look the brightest. I know it's like a kind of a tired bit on Twitter and whatnot of ooh we should trade Phillips Dina. It's not exactly a hot take. I know at this point, but like with all of this opportunity after the trade deadline, I think we said I don't know if it was it was immediately the post trade deadline show or last week. We said that players like Zadina, Valeno, Kubalik should all be 
pushing hard for this opportunity, Bergen. Um, this extra ice time, and I haven't really seen much from three of those players. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say, like... I mean, Zadina has had the extra ice time um, as of late. And then he had... The last couple years have all been the same of him. He's had moments where he's shined. And they're like, you're like, wow, there's Philip Zadina. And then the next 13 games, you're like, where's Philip Zadina? It's that's the story of Philip Zadina's career thus far. He's I, a Mel he's a Mel Carton player. Yes. I I really don't foresee him carving out a role next year on the team. Depending yeah. the trajectory of this offseason and players like Elmer coming up from the minors and stuff like that. I just think they provide so much more. Potentially another guy we'll talk about today. Provide, if he signs after college, yeah, or if he plays another year. I would put him already above Zadina, personally. Um, but, like, Elmer, like, what does he provide that Zadina doesn't? Uh, power play usage. Check. Zadina has been useless on the power play. He's been more of a liability than he has done anything good. So, to, to me, I think you'd really struggle, like, kind of with your bottom six. You have to be really good at something. If you're, like, just considered a bottom six player, like, everyone has their their thing that they're really good at. Pew Suter is a great penalty killer, right? Chasen, yep. right now, who's playing on the fourth line, great power play guy for the Red Wings so far. Like, you have to have something you're really good at. What has Zadina really shown that he's good at? Great question. Besides hounding pucks on uh, back checks? On five on five. He's he's great at hounding pucks on the back check. And like getting in passing lanes and stuff. But other than that, I really don't know what his thing is, you know? Yeah, it, it's kind of he hit a point where what like there's a lot of guys and there's I shouldn't say there's a lot of guys like Philip Sedina. There, I mean, there kind of are in the NHL. Like you can find a guy who does that in your bottom six, who also does a different like a different thing, like you're saying, like is it plays penalty kill. Yep. And again, probably could get him for cheaper. Yep. So. And again, like you can still, you know, the six overall pick is always going to follow him. But again, you can't really do much with that anymore. Like you kind of have to, in terms of planning a roster next year, and like you said, fitting fitting in guys. Another guy, Marco Casper, another guy, for example, will be looking for time. Might have to play some body six, bottom six time. I would say it's likely if he's going to make the team next year, like a third line role. I don't know where Zadina fits in it either. You have Robbie Fabry, who's going to be on pace to come back next year. Kubalik's under contract for another year. I think those three guys like all are trying to compete for the same spot, in my opinion. You're saying Robbie Fabry, Kubelik, and Zadina. Zadina. All kind of, yeah. Kind of all same same spot. And Zadina loses to both those guys. Correct. Easily. Yeah, correct. Because they both provide the possibility of a power power play player. Correct. Yes. And actually goal upside. I mean, you look at both of them. And both have, yes, both have and, scored. 
Yes, and positive impacts offensively. So that already loses the battle. Positive impacts in terms of like actual goals on the board. I know analytically Sedina has been favorable in some points. But again, I, I analytics is great when it actually correlates to something. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't correlated anything. So therefore, I'm kind of ignoring it in this uh, conversation. Um, another guy as well, like Valeno. I know we've, we were we were really raving about him like first half of the year. Since like I would say January, he's been pretty quiet, and in borderline, he's not been good in a couple situations. I know he tried the uh, the Forsberg move last night, which I did like. That would have been fun if he would have pulled it off. I know some people were kind of like like right like kind of getting on him on Twitter about like just shoot the puck or something like that, which I don't know. He would have scored if he would have if he, he would beat him. Like he beat him. Like I don't know. My, that's not my that's not my problem with Joe Valeno. I actually like that. I for good for the game. I love that. And oh well, he didn't score. He tried it though. I like it. Um but uh, he's got he's gone goalless in twenty one games. Mm-hmm. Not great. But not great. I, I know you you are a Joe Valeno defender. I still like Joe Valeno a lot. I still think he has a role in this team. I and he's also what I will give him as well. He's been PKing of late too, which I do mm-hmm. like because I think he could be a good PKer. That's my biggest thing with Valeno right now. I, I wouldn't say I'm a defender. I would just say I don't put him in the same boat as Zadina yet. He hasn't had all the time that Zadina has had. And he's had more of a consistency impact. The he's had he's been on the struggle bus the last two months. Yes. But before that, I would say his whole first part of the season, he was really good. And I and we raved about him the whole first half of the season. Um it's just like his motor's gone right now. And he's like scared to use his motor, which is his biggest asset. Yeah, because in terms of forwards, I'd say only like Dylan Larkin's a better skater in terms of forward speed in, and in, actually using in, in speed, trans- yes. And he's strong. Yes. Like he doesn't get knocked off pucks easy. Um he's a a really interesting one, like because I do see more of a like I think he be able to translate to like a winger too. And I think he could be a good penalty killer. That's why I, I want him to keep getting these looks on penalty kill. Cause I do think he's like a, a smart hockey player and he has, he still has offensive upside. It's just untapped yet. It hasn't been, you haven't seen it at a consistent basis, but I think like he offers so much else. And a lot of time like early on in the season, the stuff that he was doing well would result in goals, but they wouldn't show up on the score sheet. Yeah. I think these little things like, like he'd go throw a hit. And that's another thing I love about him is he's physical. Like there's not many players on this Red Wings forward roster group roster. That's that physical. Right. Yeah. No, I think his best is when he was on a line with Bergeron and Soderblom. I would say Bergen and Zarnik. That's also a good point. Those three were good too. But I know like the one stretch they had like six games together and they were putting up like I know Valena was on a point streak and Soderblom was on a goal streak or something like mm-hmm. that. That was a fun that was a fun line. They also did really well possession wise. And in terms of just getting looks on looks at the goal. 
He's really good at being like a supporting player to like two players like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't call him a line driver, but if if you have players that can make plays with him, I think because he's he's got so much speed that can create so much space. I I still really like his game. I just want it to revert back to how it was the first part of the season. And I'm I'm not dead on him yet. Not even neither. Neither, but I I I think I think it's because there's some realistic world where you have next season. We're pushing for Pew Suter. I think management would want us resign Pew Suter. I think so too. And then you also have the possibility of Marco Casper making the team. Yeah. And if you want to develop him as your center, where what does that do with Joe Valeno then? If Pew Suter also signs in this scenario, which I think they would. I, again, I don't think they would roll two young guys in the bottom six like that. I, I don't think, think they would keep Suter at the deadline if they didn't think they were going to re-sign him. That's a good point. Because I think they would have got a better haul than they got for Sunquist. Probably. I view him more... more uh, he, I think he's more valuable. He's more valuable than Sunquist, yes. So, I guess in, my point is then what happens with Valeno? Yeah. No, I, I do think that's a reasonable suggestion i do think valeno's valeno's more flexible than zadina though i agree i'm just it's more so me i don't think he should be off the team i'm just saying he needs to do he needs to do more i i'm just like saying like in in your theory here where marco casper cracks the lineup as a third line center and pew Suter is the fourth line center right i'm saying right. this is this is right. your theory i do see a world where valeno could crack the lineup as like a fourth line winger yeah and that'd be great because he has speed and he's played well with Suter in the past and he brings physicality. And like, I mean, even like the other night, what was it? Edvinson took that, that knee from Gudis. Yep. Who was the first one to jump in? Joey V. Yep. I agree. I'm not saying it's been his trajectory has not been a, uh, it's definitely been more of a roller coaster than, um linear but yeah no for sure um i just think it's, it is interesting to kind of follow these guys again like a kubalik as well he's been invisible and yeah, he's been playing I, purely top six yes um he's an interesting case too kubalik's a really unique player because i think he can be so offensively productive with the right players. But you need a line driver with him that's really good at driving the play. Like, if you look at the line that he's playing on right now, who who has speed on that line? Nobody. Nobody. I think, like, when we saw his biggest production was with Larkin, obviously. And, like, he was putting himself in good areas, and he was the first guy on the forecheck. And doing all the little things right. Like he was over a point per game at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm not saying that he's an over a point per game player, which because I don't think so. But I think he's a guy that can reasonably score 20 goals in a season. Um, yeah. My thing is he's been he's been stuck at like, so he had like 30 points in like 40 some games. Yeah. We're approaching game 71 or it's been game 71 now. And he's at 40 points now. Yeah. So he's gone 
completely cold. I will give him the benefit. He hasn't played first power play unit, which I know he was getting a lot of his cookies from then, but I guess what is his usage at five on five? I don't think he was used the right way down the stretch. Personally, I think they. It's the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay. When he was playing a line with Larkin and Raymond, he was playing really well at the time. And they instantly moved him off that line when Bertuzzi came back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't broke. He tried to fix it. And yeah. it, it broke more things. Because Bertuzzi didn't show up the first part when he came back from injury because he was recovering from an injury. So that line was hurting a little bit. Um, and Kubelik was playing really well at the time. And I, in his like days in Chicago, it's been... It was kind of previously stated that he had struggled when he was switching around line mates a lot. Like he, he was at his best when I think he was playing with Taze and uh Saad. Saad, yes. There you go. Um, and that was a line for like a full year. Yep, nineteen twenty. He hasn't had that. No. Again, this season he bounced around. I don't think he had he hasn't had he's been the person I think has flipped the most line mates. Mm-hmm. He's been because Cop, Cop and Perron have been kind of a pair. Raymond and Larkin, obviously. Where's Kubelik been? Yeah. All over. All over. So no, I, I definitely I can see something there, but again, I think it's just another guy who has opportunity to play in the top six, and maybe he should be playing. Maybe they flip him and Suter. I don't know. And have Kubelik with Larkin and Raymond again. Yeah. Try that. Try that again. I'm open to it. Um, I guess it's just. He hasn't done the most right now in his opportunity because he's still playing like 15 minutes a night right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I kind of uh, kind of wanted to bounce back to that St. Louis game because I, I we kind of did forget to mention that Edvinson was hurt in place of Lindstrom. He took I you you mentioned that he took that hit from Radko Gudis. Um. I didn't think it was like super dirty, but again, it was wasn't great. Um. Edvinson again, like you're saying, how smooth he can move and he quickly moved around Gudis and, and drew a penalty by doing that. Yeah. Which was which was impressive. I just wanted to kind of mention that quick. Yeah, I think he has three, three drawn penalties yes. in two games. I, I forgot to bring this up right away, but the only knack on Simon Edmondson that I have right now is the penalties he takes. He struggles. Uh, he struggles with taking penalties. But I mean, he's drawn three already. I think he's only taken one. He's taken one. But I mean, yeah. I th- don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he's around like 24 penalties this year. Yeah, I think he's at 50 minutes in Grand Rapids. 50? So 50, 50 minutes, yeah. So 25 penalties in like 50, 51 games, I think. Yes. He's played. That's not a great stat. I know a lot of it has to do with his reach. He gets a lot of tripping penalties. I feel like almost once once a week I see that he had a tripping penalty or like twice a week, which is not ideal. Um, That's the only knack. I feel like we pumped him up so much that I had to like bring in a, a not the best stat, right? Yeah, and I think that's a realistic thing with longer, like a longer defenseman. Like I'm pretty sure Chara, like again, he gets caught up. Like he would have gotten caught up in his career with yeah. tripping penalties and all of that. Right, a Colton Pareko, for example, 
so you, you run it you run into that a little bit but i i do agree that he does for the most and, part i think i think it's an asset but he does it does get caught and it's almost like he's not even like fully developed with his size like he hasn't like hit a stage where he's like completely intact like he's flailing a little bit i don't know if you you notice that when you watch him play his skating strides a little weird is i i think he's a great skater it's like he's, sometimes he's when he great goes but through, it looks the visual looks odd it does look odd i think i'm more so referring to like when he goes to re- re- retrieve a puck and he kind of like trips over his own feet and stuff <laughs> 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 like that is kind of what i'm trying to say and it almost is like his body will trip other players on accident because he hasn't hit that stage where he's completely comfortable in his own size. Yeah, definitely. I think I I can see that for sure. Um, I think we can kind of move off some of this talk, finish up the Red Wings stuff. I mean, they play again uh, Thursday to, or today when people are probably listening to this against St. Louis. So uh, Verona homecoming. Revenge game. I didn't. We didn't really talk about Verona's game either against against the Red Wings. I thought he looked he looked good, and he's been doing really well in St. Louis. So I'm happy for him. Um, I know Helberg made a really good save on that two on one, where Verona shot on. His his scar is pretty nuts right now on his nose. Yeah, it is. That's crazy. It's crazy. I also love the uh, the Joel Hofer the Joe Hofer story. Is it Joel or Joe? Joel, I think. It's Joel, Joel Hofer. I, I don't know. I think it's Joel. It's one of the. It's one of the two. I love him getting the start over Bennington. That's that's fun to me. I mean, both their goalies have been bad this year, so it's kind of hard to start them when Hofer's had two good games already. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it was like the the Mark Andre Fleury situation is just like Craig Brube is like I'm done with you, dude. As you should be. Like that that was what do I, I, what do you mean the. Uh... Mark Andre Fleury, like him just being a clown again. You lose, you you let in five goals, oh. and then and then you try to like hype up the crowd when you're getting pulled. I thought you were talking about like Mark Andre Fleury, like as a goalie. I thought you were trying to compare the two. Oh no 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 no! I'm talking about like the gotcha. that game where he tried to fight Mark Andre Fleury, which by the way, we didn't get to talk about last episode because it happened immediately after. Um, why why refs? Why aren't you fun? That would have been amazing. Yeah. Also, the the uh Mark Andre Fleury being mic'd up is like proves why he's like the most wholesome human. That was great. It's like, oh, it'd be great. He wants to fight. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, but no, like Bennington, it's been like Brubay's said a couple times this year. Like, just focus on stopping pucks, dude. I don't care about your antics. Yeah. So I feel like there's something like something could happen in that sense, but so it's just his power being like, all right, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play the kid. Because he's actually playing good, and he ha- he had a good game as Red Wings too. He made some big saves. He's a big yeah. kid too. I thought he's good. I thought he's good. I, I think he's good. I I don't know that he made some big saves. I mean, th- there were like no high quality scoring chances. <laughs> that Fair. game was atrocious to watch. It was tough at first when at first when it went two two in the first. I'm like, here we go, a little barn burner. But we didn't get it. Barn burner. Yeah, I I kind of did too. A little bit, but um, yeah. Also, I mean, shout out Raymond scoring the only goal and finishing that shootout because I thought that was gonna go yeah. on for forever. Yeah, I wanted to gouge my eyes out. Yep, I did. Like Helberg was good in the shootout, though. I'll give him mm-hmm. that. That's tough. That's tough for a goalie. So I was really cool to see. I hadn't. I don't think he had been in a shootout previously, so I did like seeing that. And 
again, the pads always look great on TV. So big ups for him. But I think we can move off of the Red Wings, as I said that prior, famous last words. But anyway, um, I kind of want to do a check in on some prospects. But I think we can talk about a potential new prospect first when it comes to college. Um, Kevin Weeks reporting that the Red Wings reportedly signed John McDonald today. Um, tweeted it out. He also tweeted it with that, that there was plenty of interest heading into it. And then he clarified the tweet. Um, if anyone's curious of the, like, the legitimacy of the report, I like I was searching out like John McDonald highlights on Twitter. And I found his Twitter profile. And if you go to his likes, he likes the tweet. So I think that's any I think that gets him confirming the report. Um, but the 24 year old uh, free agent, left handed defenseman from uh, UMass Lowell, so very around my neck of the woods. Um, kind of looks a, a defensive defenseman type. I mean, his senior year only puts up he put up 20 points, three goals, 17 assists, nothing to scoff at, but like also not eye popping. Um, captain, I think that's cool. But another guy, I I think it's gonna be more so an AHL depth move. Um, but I do like the fact that the Red Wings are tipping their toes in the college free agent pool, which is something they should be doing. They have the contract space. I think there are like 45 contract slots. So to use this opportunity to get guys in, I don't know if he's going to report to Grand Rapids or Detroit first, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I think it seems like it's just a good depth signing. I'm presuming that it'd be more so a Toledo or Grand Rapids rather than Detroit. Um, I think that's a little over overzealous especially when you have like the likes of albert johansson and i'd even put um mckisaac over him right now probably um i'd be pretty shocked if he reported right to detroit to be honest with you yeah um i'd almost expect it to be toledo right away I don't think it would, depending who announces it again, the team hasn't announced it. If Grand Rapids announces it, then yeah, I would expect it to be Toledo. But if Detroit announces it, then I would expect it to be Grand Rapids. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Cause again, the Toledo wall, I like reported earlier that like they signed the LSSU guy. Yep. Earlier, earlier. So I would expect something like that to happen if it's going to be a Toledo announcement. But if it's not, then if it's Detroit Grand Rapids, like co-oping the, report then i think it would be something like that you know what i mean yep so i don't know i'm not like i know people are really easy to be like oh another left-hand defenseman but again with guys like possibly johansson at benefits and being on the roster next year filling it back in having having depth which is a very important also good depth mm-hmm. you're not just handing spots to the likes of like vero sabrango stuff like that have them compete um he looks to be mobile Again, I watched him this year too, and I don't even like. I, I guess it shouldn't say much, but like I didn't remember him standing out to me anyway. I also didn't key in on players because I didn't know if he would have been signed by the Red or if he was a Red Wing prospect at that point. I would have keyed in on him. But no, Lowell was a really good defensive team. They uh, they lost in the Hockey East um, quarterfinal or semifinals to Merrimack, which now Merrimack Merrimack ended up winning and they they made the tournament. So it's not a it's not a nothing loss. So. Um, but no, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I should mention also as well. I mean, if you're looking straight statistics, Dandy Kaiser wasn't the most eye popping statistical defenseman out of college when they signed him. Yep. So I'm gonna be fair to that as well. I'm not saying he's gonna be Dandy Kaiser or a top four defenseman, but 
because Dan DeKaiser was arguably the most one of the most successful college free agent signings in NHL history. Yeah, he was a damn good one. Yep. So I think that's something. Maybe not NHL history, but like I maybe over exaggerated that a little bit. But you definitely in recent did. Re- recent history, I can't remember really any other ones. Like like Carson Kuhlman was a successful one, I guess. Um, I'm trying to think of other notable college free agents. Like Jimmy VC was very overhyped. I would say Dan DeKaiser. Uh, Ryan Donato. Again, like he was overhyped, but I mean he is a useful. I'm saying Ryan player. Donato was overhyped, but now he's kind of carved out a role. I think he was drafted too. Donato was. He was. Drafted. He just walked to free agency. No, I think he was drafted, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure Ryan Donato was a free agent. Was Troy Stetcher a free agent? He might have been. Troy Stetcher was a free agent. So, I think that's a successful one as well. I'm wrong. But anyway, Ryan Donato was not a free agent. Yes. Okay. Drafted by Boston. All right. Uh, but no, Dan DeKaiser legitimately was, I'd say, very successful. He was a top four defenseman for, and a good one ahead of, before his back injury. He was a good top four defenseman, yep. I would argue. So I'm not saying he's going to become that, but I think it's positive to get another guy in here. And I would look to guys like Jake Livingstone as like a like a uh, a target in terms of with seasons ending. I'd also throw Sam Malinsky in there too. He's from Cornell, which uh, we'll talk about Cornell's first game in the tournament as well coming up, but you know, both right-handed defensemen who are have had good seasons in uh, the NCAA this year. So I would be curious if they're running still their name in the hat for one of those two guys, if not both. You know, the, the right-handed prospect pool is pretty weak. You can afford to sign both of them. Yeah. Um, but sticking to the NCAA, start up with the heavy hitters. Um, Carter Mazur, Shibuyam, who I'm going to, depending on their outcome against Cornell, we just talked about Sam Malinsky. I'm curious. I will try to go to their Saturday game since it's close. If they end up making it past Cornell, Cornell has actually had a pretty good year. Denver lost out to Colorado College for the NCHC tournament, but they're still ranked. They were still the fourth ranked team for the tournament, so they were always going to make it. But they did lose in the, the semifinal of the NCHC tournament. Um, but no, Carter Mazur has been great, and I kind of we kind of hinted at him before, but. I don't know what what do you think would make the most sense for Carter Mazer post this season? I mean he's got twenty two goals, fifteen assists. He's up for defensive forward of the year for the NCHC. So he's well rounded. Um twenty he's gonna be twenty one this year. So I don't know. Like I, I do you, would you think he goes pro this year or what? Man, I don't I don't really know. That's a really tough one because he's in that like I would view him in that that bubble area. Like it would make sense if he stayed another year at college, but it would also make sense if he wants to turn pro. Um, because yeah. I mean, he could compete for a spot next year and possibly finish the season in Detroit this year already. Um, yeah, but who knows? I find that one tough to judge. Um, my gut says he stays at college. Yeah, I can see it other way. I just think he's like, if let's say like they go out and win another championship again, what else does he have to prove in college? That is true. You know what I mean? You go two for two your sophomore year, and you're also you're tied for fourth in the whole the whole NCAA in goals as a third round pick. So you weren't highly touted coming yeah. out of the draft. 
it's a pretty big jump. Like I could see a reality where he cashes out and starts his pro career. And I do think like if he signs, I think he would play in the NHL this year. I could see it. Yeah, I mean he could get a crack right away. I wouldn't be surprised. I know it would burn the ELC, but again, it kind of goes to my prior conversation. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't. I could see him. And also, I could see him be a guy for the roster next year, too, if he is signed, considering the role he plays. Like, he would do just fine in a bottom six role. Mm-hmm. He could be a power play guy as well, right handed shot. I know they like that net front guy. Carter Mazur plays net front in the power play. Natural fit there. Um, Shai Williams also had a really good year, too. And it should be notable. On what side of the ice he's playing on defense? Yeah. I don't know. He's still a guy I really like in the Red Wings prospect pool. I know he gets kind of lost behind like the Wallanders, Johansons, but I think Booyam's still a guy who could be maybe not a top four defenseman, but like a like a five number five. He's yeah. mobile, he's big. Um tied for second in Denver in points this year. Oh no, he's definitely he's not signing pro this year. I would say he he plays at least next season, if not the fourth year, too. Do you mean tied for second with, like, defensemen? Or... Yes, tied for second with defensemen. Okay. Sorry, I didn't clarify. Thank you for thank you for calling me out. Um, yeah, so no, I'm a big Shy Booyam guy, for sure. But, uh, yeah, take on Cornell tomorrow night, uh, today tonight, if you're listening on Thursday. And then the winner plays on Saturday to get out of the Manchester region. And they go from there to the frozen frozen final. Is it frozen finals or fro- it's not? Or is it frozen four? Frozen four. Frozen four. Right. Frozen finals was my junior championship. Sorry, not going to relive that. Um, the guy who kind of has been catching the most like attention of late is Carter Guylander. seventh round pick, twenty nineteen. Big reason why Colgate of all teams is actually playing in. These games, of course, they draw Michigan first game, yeah. which isn't fun. But uh, he's the named player of the tournament for the ECAC game, uh, ECAC tournament. Um, big boy, two six five, numbers are great this year. Uh, Nine eighteen save percentage, two point three goals against. I don't know, like, is he another option for the future? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens with him too this year. Because he's I a mean, junior. He's a junior. I think, like, the world where he could stay at college another year, too. Um, He's another interesting case. Yeah. No, I, and I've I've really liked his, like, people kind of kind of forgotten about him a little bit. I know Kosa, of course, like, he's been great of late. Ten games, I think ten straight games now, or is it 11? I don't even know. Too many. It's a good thing. Can't, can't keep track anymore. No, but Coast is up to like a 9.15 save percentage as well for the ECHL, which is pretty good. 2.4 goals against. I mean, we're happy with um, Coast's game too, but I think Garlander as well. Not necessarily like saying he's going to be better than Coast or something like that, but still a name in the hat. I think it would be interesting because they signed Bednar and assigned him to Toledo as well. I don't know how many games he plays considering he's behind Lethman and Kosa. But, you know, you got a couple of prospects there that are kind of fighting for time and depending where they are in the organization. Yep. So interesting to say the least. And it's, it's good. It's good to have problems. You want to have goaltending competition for sure. Um, also like before this, it just got announced that uh, red Savage was transferring to Michigan state university. 
So um, after another year at my his second year at Miami, which um, they weren't great, he gets to move to Michigan State, which he did play under Adam Nightingale at the program. So I do like that fit, and I wonder how big of a role he plays for Michigan State next year. Yeah. Also closer to the Red Wing, so can't complain. For sure. Um, Casper Wallander, Rogla, uh, ties the series up 2-2 today. Casper, casual three assists. Yeah, not, not too bad deal. either. Not a big deal. One was a net front of the power play, too, which is kind of neat. A little behind. behind the, uh, he tried for the rebound, but it ended up going behind him and trickled for the rebound. But no, both players, especially. I know people have really been noting Wallander playing the right side, and that's the side he prefers. So he's another guy, too, that really intrigues me. In terms of like raw, I don't. I think he goes Grand Rapids right away because he's always been deemed a raw prospect. But I don't know how quickly that the turnaround is. Like he's been very good for Rogla. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Like you said, I don't know that it would happen right away. Yeah, um, that's a. It's kind of a tough transition, as you saw with Edmonton this year. I know Cider was so much further ahead when he transitioned from the SHL to the NHL. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Other way, like, you got to love his because, again, he was always, like, everyone, he's like, all right, this is a project pick. Like, he's good at this thing, but he's very bad at this thing. Let's let him cook. And only a couple of years after, everyone's like, oh, okay, he's a lot closer than we thought. So, I don't know. It's just a thought. He's another big boy, very mobile, um, kind of lanky skater, kind of like Edvinson in a way. So it might take a little bit for him to get used to his size, but uh, he's. I think Horkoff said he's going to come over to Grand Rapids next year. So that's positive, at least. So people in North America can get to see him more consistently. Um, and then Casper as well, I, I would assume he comes over as well and competes for a spot. I don't know that he said that Wallander's coming over for sure. He did say that Casper was. Oh, he said Casper. Okay, excuse me. Yeah. I think maybe, I just, maybe I'm just assuming with Wallander. But... Hopefully, I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, both those guys have been pretty big. They were the first team. Also, Rogla was the first team in SHL history to lose the first game of their play-in series and then actually make it out. Which was, a, I thought that was an interesting stat. Considering it's only three games, I feel like any team could win two straight. Yeah, that's kind of a wild stat. I don't know. I don't know where I saw that. Like, I just quickly ran across that when I was doing notes. But uh, yeah, very interesting. Um. But yeah, I think that kind of um, wraps up the prospect talk. Tumiso. To... Oh, Tumiso. Yeah, duh. He signed his ELC. I don't know how I didn't. I totally forgot about that. I passed over it. That is really big news, to be honest, because I think he had one more year and then it would be gone. No, it was this year. It was this year? Yep. Um, He's kind of had a resurgence, hey? A little bit? A little bit. Uh, 20 points, I think 60 two or three games in the league in league of this year. He, a lot of points he was playing top pair. Um, yes. another very raw prospect similar to the Wallander build. And you can kind of look at the two being Wallander was definitely accelerated his ascension. And to me, to me, so it took a little time. He played at Denver for a couple of years. Kind of got buried on a very good team and went back to the league of this year. And I think it might've been a beneficial move for him. Seems like it has been. I wouldn't say he got buried. His production just wasn't very good, and he was always labeled as a a pretty offensive, raw defenseman. Right. But um, for the looks of it, his his production's a lot better. I mean, he has, like, 
probably like a point three three points per game, just about. Yep. Which is pretty solid for a defenseman, especially at that size and that, that reach, age. that age. Yeah, and he's been playing like top four minutes. Mm. He's another one that I'm really curious about whether he stays in Finland another year or if he comes right over to Grand Rapids. Yeah, I think his contract, I don't think, I can pull it up quick too, but I don't think his contract could slide. So therefore, he would kind of have to come over. Which I think would... that'd be cool because you want to get right-handed defense and right in Grand Rapids right away. Yeah, he can't. It's not. I just went on cap friendly. It's not Good. waiver. It's not a contract slide. So I, he I would like be. That. He would be coming over next year, or else they'd just be burning his ELC in Finland. And to clarify, he's twenty and sixty right now. Exactly five goals, fifteen assists. Okay, twenty and sixty. Okay, that's um, but, good. but yeah, the, the um, his AAV uh, according to cap friendly is ninety five. So kind of the max there for him, or. Cap hit, yeah. excuse me, the cap hits eight. No, cap hits eight, eighty six seven, um, eighty six seventy five, so eight hundred sixty seven thousand five hundred. The ninety two AAV good comes up if, if if he hits bonuses. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, that was um bonuses included. His minor salary is seventy seventy k, which is is pretty generic for prospects. Um, but no, I thought that was a that was one I kind of forgot about definitely. So it was kind of like early in the week, I think. Or I'm ex- I'm kind of low key excited about him coming. Me too. Over. Me too. In terms of like obviously the conversation with the right side of Red Wings defense, which is a very hot topic right now. Yep. Red Wings can't, didn't have any guys. Can't be worse than Lindy. <laughs> that is one way to look at it. That is true. <laughs> can't be worse. That is it's tough. Sorry, Lindy, but sorry him. Love him you, Lindy. Great. I mean, I'm not gonna go that far, but um, no, I'm I'm happy for him because again, I know like after Denver won the championship, he was kind of playing like six defender, six defenseman role. People were kind of like, oh, okay, we're writing him off a little bit, and no, he's he's still here, so good for him. But uh, to finish up, I do want to rip on the NHL. I'm uh, they it continues to be, it's the best sport but the worst league, and Gary Bevan. He could do a couple good things. Like I thought that Big City Greens um Disney show, like the broadcast where it was the cartoon being live broadcast, I thought that was great. I made fun of it right away before I watched or saw anything about it, but it was actually pretty cool. And who was on the air for it? it was Kevin Weeks and uh was it was it Bucci? I don't think it was. I don't think it was. Whoever it was, Kevin Weeks did a fantastic job. And I can't I can't think about who else was on it, but yeah. They did a really good job, like, broadcasting. Because, I mean, it's for, like, kids to, like, get into hockey. Like, young, young kids. Yeah, and, like, you see... Did you see a really favorite... good job, like, explaining. Yeah. I saw they did, like, breakdowns, like, rules and stuff, which I guess is yeah. kind of boring. But also, like, for kids, you'd be like, oh, okay. If I see my favorite character for my, my show explaining it. Yeah. That's great. And I think, like, imagine, like, us growing up and, like, let's say, like, Spongebob was playing hockey. Like, how cool would that be? Exactly. The interview of like Evgeny Kuznetsov saying that he was like scratched for like uh, uh I can't even think of the, the character's name, but like because they announced like the whole game they were calling Evgeny Kuznetsov like the person from Big City Greens. Oh, funny. The main character. So like the goalies were main characters, and then mm-hmm. Kuznetsov and uh, Mika Zibanejad, maybe. I think it it might have been Zibanejad. 
were like characters from the show. So like they had like an interview of Kuznetsov like and they asked him about being scratched for like the guy from Big City Greens and he was like pretending to be upset and stuff. That's so it, funny. It was it was pretty funny. That's awesome. But no, I like gave it like I thought that was a great move by the NHL. And I think that's something they should explore like once a month. Like you go to Disney Channel like a Saturday morning, like or Saturday afternoon, like a one o'clock game where the kids will be like watching TV or something like that in the winter. And you'd be like, boom, here's your time slot. Yeah. Promote it, promote it on there. But then they go and do this. They go and make a 10 year deal with fanatics. Mm-hmm. Be their Jersey provider. It's very much the vibe of the NBC deal when that was first signed. Locked in for way too long for no good reason. I could have seen a reality where you eventually come to a deal with them, but like short term because they've never been a major jersey provider. Their own brand, I should say. So technically, they've been producing jerseys for the MLB for the past five years, but they stamp a Nike logo on top of it. So nobody knows. So that's not like a really public thing that they do it, but... In terms of them, their own name being in front of something, this is the first time. And I feel like if that's the case, you should have like done a shorter term deal and let them prove themselves. And then you go about it. I know for the first couple of years of the deal, nothing much is going to change because they're literally taking over the factory in Quebec that Adidas uses. But it should be concerning for anyone, like any casual fan, like in terms of the business of the league, that both Adidas and Nike want nothing to do with the NHL. Adidas was the one who pulled out of the deal they wanted, did not want to renew it. And then Nike, when asked if they had any interest in it, they said, nope, we don't find it profitable. Dagger. Yeah. And we can go into Fanatics and how shitty of a company it is on paper right now. And that's all the all we all fans have right now is the envisioning of the Fanatics jerseys and the shite. The, the, the shite. I literally said shite. That's funny. Wasn't That wasn't meant to be a bit, but it actually works out even better than I was going to say sight. But, like, they're basically iron-ons in terms of the logos. I know they're supposed to be replica jerseys, but, like, they should look a little nicer. Like, I know our mom, like, growing up bought us replica jerseys on on weird sites, but they looked a lot better than those. Yeah. In terms of actual stitching in a fight strap, by all means. But, like, their blatant disregard for actually spelling names, right? Um, That Jack Hughes-Nico Heischer mix-up jersey that, again, uh, Danny All-Star... Heatley, aka Rob Gucci, um, was tweeting out all of the bad mess ups from Twitter of the fanatics mess ups that people were just sending in, and that was a good time just looking at all of those. But yeah, the Jack Hughes one with the eighty six Hughes, and then having thirteen on the sleeves for the numbers makes a lot of sense. the The tased one where the W and the E's flipped, not the good. Islanders Rangers one. That one actually is, might be the worst. But this is the NHL's like official like merchandise provider currently, and now we're gonna have there be the jersey. So I'm very worried that this is gonna set people back. And also publicly, people on Twitter are being like, "I'm just gonna buy Adidas jerseys up right now." So yeah. I don't know what revenue you're gonna make either. So kind of a big, a big L for the NHL. I know one of the other brands that were mentioned was me New Era that possibly was looking at getting jerseys. I'm like. Even them, I would have been like, okay, like I understand they just make hats, but like at least I know who they are. Yeah. In terms of like um making making apparel. Like Fanatics is just something that's come out of the NHL and they haven't done a great job at it. So I'm not happy about it, and many people weren't, understandably so. So that is concerning, but um 
definitely a, a negative one to end on. But yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for this one, unless you have anything else. No, pretty much. I have nothing else to say about fanatics. <laughs> I was mostly just me ranting. You kind of just were there to bounce ideas off of. But yeah, not great. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod. Check out our partners at Inside the Rink. Um, also subscribe to ESPN Plus, um, ESPN.com slash in- hashtag Inside the Rink. Or no, it's excuse me, Inside the Rink.com slash ESPN. I flipped them. Um, sign for ESPN Plus. Uh, I know towards the end of the year, but you can still get a lot of coverage for next year. Um, the draft and stuff like that. Red Wings games still got like whatever 13 of them left, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. Um, yeah, follow us on everywhere else. Um, subscribe to the pod, Apple, and yeah, thank you for tuning in.